Hey guys, it's Dina and Lydia, and you are and you're listening, listening to Retweet. Kaytrinana is coming for our throats, and we got a copyright strike, so that's why we sang. But new music is coming. We have our very good friend Mimi on the podcast today. You may remember her as M I M I Mimi. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Yes, it's Mimi Fam. Not with the F, it's with a P. I'm pushing P. <laughs> um, yeah, Kate Trinata, I don't know what you're doing. I know you're teased about your Toronto shows being canceled, but you coming for retweet doesn't sit right with me because we gave you fans, and I think you should give us tickets and then don't sue them. But, anyways, hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, I think if Katrinata has a problem with us, he should just say it to our face. Period. Yeah. yeah. And if he wants to talk to the manager, he could talk to me. Period. <laughs> okay, so for this week, we are talking about attachment styles. So are you a clingy bitch? Are you a material girl who won't tell a peep to a boy that they are attracted to them? Are you someone who's kind of in between? So today we're discovering that. Um, we're going to take a quiz. It's going to be pretty interactive. None of us, or I guess like Dean and I kind of have an idea of what our attachment style is. I haven't done the quiz in a while, but I'm pretty sure my guess is fearful avoidant. We're going to go through the types after, but basically my guess is that I'm probably going to get fearful avoidant. Yeah, and um, okay. I think that I am a mix between fearful avoidant, also known as disorganized attachment, and it's actually the least common attachment style. So if you are that attachment style, just know that you're one in a million. <laughs> uh, me, personally, I never heard of attachment style until Dina messaged me. And at first, I'm like, what do you mean? Like attaching a file to an email? Um, and then I looked up what attachment style was. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go into this podcast not knowing anything. So I guess. If you don't know what attachment style is, you're right there along with me. But I would love to continue this discourse. Yeah, you're not alone in this world. So to give you guys kind of the historical context of attachment style, it was developed by a psychiatrist in 1958. So, I mean, it was an old white man that, like, came up with this. But I think it has been adapted by more recent psychiatrists and psychoanalysts women of color um, and women in general so it's it is like a a studied phenomenon Um, and attachment theory basically refers to the way in which your primary caregiver as a child either fulfilled your needs or failed to fulfill your needs and how that affects you and the way that you act as an adult in relationships so the main idea of attachment theory is that as a young child, you need to develop a relationship uh, and a healthy relationship at that with one of your primary caregivers for normal social development to occur. And so there are four attachment styles that basically came out of that. Uh, the first one being secure attachment. So these are the people that are in healthy relationships. They have the ability to form um, loving relationships without feeling insecure, without feeling like their partner's gonna leave them, without being scared of intimacy. So these are the healthy bitches. And 
securely attached people make up about 50% of like the people in the world so it is the most common attachment style um but I've literally never met a securely attached person ever in my entire life so I I don't know when you said that I was like are you joking I feel like no one is secure but anyways I can make you songs after no like it sounds fake and then the second one is anxious attachment so these are the people that are like anxious in their relationships they have a fear of abandonment they place an importance on the romantic relationships in their life um and these are people that will like do anything to please their partner so that's like about 20 percent of people so that one's also really common the opposite of anxious would be avoidant attachment um that's also makes up 20 percent of people and these are people that are like very detached they have a fear of intimacy they literally will never talk about their feelings they they're not going to tell you about their emotions at all and these are going to be people that are going to be really difficult to have a relationship with and it's funny because anxiously attached people and avoidant attached people tend to be in relationships together which is like the most sick combination for a relationship because you're so incompatible okay low-key okay sorry I think when I took the quiz the first time and things change like obviously but like I think I actually got that one the avoidant and it's actually funny because like when I look back at the very small group of people who I've spoken to they have been really <laughs> like, felt like, different me. but anyways continue with the last couple ones No, and I mean, like, you can have different attachment styles in different relationships. So, like, maybe if you are in a relationship with someone who's anxiously attached, you might become avoidant. Yeah, that's true. Because, like, that's... It's a lot, right? Um, But basically, so the last one is fearful avoidant or disorganized attachment. And it's called disorganized because it it doesn't really make sense. It's a combination of anxious and avoidant. So you may have a fear of intimacy, like avoidant people, but also really crave it, like anxious people. And so people that are fearful avoidant desperately crave affection, but also want to avoid it. Uh, And this is a really, really rare attachment style. (laughs) I swear. (laughs) Only yeah, 5% of people have fearful avoidant attachment no, style. I- and fearful avoidant is 100% linked to childhood trauma. No, uh, no, and that, no, sorry. I only said I was the other one because, you, because, yes. because you said, like, oh, they attract anxious people. And I knew I attracted anxious people, so I was like, oh, I must be that one. No, I definitely am fearful because I remember it being, like, you really crave affection, but then you – don't want to compromise like your vulnerability or your quote-unquote ego so then you basically become this cold stone bitch but anyways that's my prediction yeah. it, it might have changed like mm-hmm. thought, like hopefully i like evolve but <laughs> three months is looking like no but we'll see so i feel like we should just do the quiz now like lydia you can kind of take us through the quiz and then we can kind of <laughs> see heard. and honestly we'll put the link for the quiz in the bio and like y'all can do it along with us too yes yeah. okay the quiz. So turning over to the quiz, we are doing auto straddle. If you guys want to do the quiz, again, it's going to be linked in the bio. Um, but I'm basically going to read the questions through. So the first question is, my ideal partner's best future would be, one, their willingness to spend most of our time together. Two, their ability to clearly communicate their needs. Three, their willingness to let me do my own thing. And then four, their frequent reassurance. Ladies. This is a hard one for me. This is hard, yeah. Because I feel like I'm in between two and three. Okay. Mm. I'm honestly in between three and four. Same. 
Wow. I think it's because really? their, their willingness to let me do my own thing is because one, I feel like I'm a very independent person, but also frequent reassurance is that I need validation a lot. So I'm stuck between those two. I th- I'm the exact same way. Communication is obviously really important to any healthy relationship and a lot of seeking relationships out with men, a lot of men are really bad at communicating their needs and I'm also bad at communicating my needs. So if someone else does that, I feel like I'd be better to like mirror it back to them. Definitely their willingness to let me do my own thing. I've always felt like I would feel stifled by a partner. I don't know. I think that's probably my main one. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like one of the reasons why, too, sometimes, like, when I'm in my room, I'm like, oh, thank God, my room. And I'm like, imagine my room was shared with someone. Like, imagine I was you could never just, thing. like, be alone. Unless you're, like, literally in the ba- bathroom, honestly. Like, <laughs> and that pe- couples really do like, be broken together. No, yeah. They shower no, together. No locked doors. Okay, so which one are we going to select? Because we can only select one, guys. I, I select feel like number three. I'm honestly gonna me. select yeah. number three. Yes. Wow. Okay. Twin. Me too. All I think us. that's like the top thing. The other things were number two. So. Okay. So yeah. the second question: My partner comes home from work and their energy seems off. I one ask them if I've done something wrong. Two go out with friends. I don't want to be involved if they have a meltdown. <laughs> Cook them dinner. If I'm the problem, maybe a nice meal will fix it. And, and then four, let them know I'm here if they want to talk about anything. I'm curious to see That's what you guys are going to say, honestly. <laughs> the last one. Are you kidding? I would never cook a... Okay, no, I won't cook them dinner. Like, I'm not a housewife. No, honestly, I when I think about, like, people being like, oh, it's so nice, like, my boyfriend cooked food for me or, like, my girlfriend cooked for me. I'm like, That's so sweet. But, like, I would be humiliated someone watching me cook for them like a man watching me cook for them like I will actually bark and then like literally like even the idea of them like eating it in front of me being like oh it's good oh I can't so not cooking I'm not gonna lie I feel like it depends on where I am in the relationship I feel like in the beginning I definitely would be like let them let them know I'm here if they want to talk about anything but I feel like if let's say I'm dating someone and they're cancer and we've been dating for a while I'm going out with my friends. I don't want to be involved if they have a mental meltdown. (laughs) I think that I would probably ask them if I've done something wrong to upset them, which is definitely like the anxious bitch answer. But I don't know. I just feel like if their energy is off, I don't know. Yeah. At first, I was like, if I know I did something wrong, then I would address it. So I wouldn't ask. But you... It may be other factors that plays into why their energy seems off, such as maybe something happened at work or something else. Um, but I guess that's where communi- communication from your partner comes in. They will tell you, if anything, about what they're feeling if it is something that you did. So I think just telling them, like, let, let them know I'm here if they want to talk about anything is what I would choose. Mm-hmm. yeah I feel like if they're just like if it was like off the bat like random like you don't know any context and they came home from work I would just be like what's up but I wouldn't assume it's me if I felt mm-hmm. like we didn't like there wasn't any type of riff before yeah like talk to me apple crumble like what's wrong Bay, <laughs> yeah Bay. sugar muffin my cinnamon apple crunch 
So I'm going to go and I'm going to select the last one. Let them know I'm here if they want to talk about anything. Twins, Lydia. I know, we're twinning right now. So the third question, this is where it gets a little spicy. In relationships, I experience the most fear when, one, I can't tell what my partner is thinking, two, I have to ask my partner for help, three, my partner asks for space, and then four, I discover a difference in our core values. I feel like if someone asked me for space, I would literally start throwing up and crying. (laughs) Because here's the thing. Here's the thing is like, I am not clingy at all. So if you're asking me for space when I'm already pretty distant, I just feel like, damn, you really do not like me. Yeah, it's over for me when when you say that. Space? Space for what? I'm dead. I feel like for me, honestly, it would be I have to ask my partner for help. Like, for sure. I feel like yeah. asking for help, I don't know what it is. I get really embarrassed because I feel like what are you asking your partner for help with? Like, you're probably mm-hmm. asking, like, something that involves, like, either your family or, like, your own personal, like, well-being. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. thinking, like, mundane tasks. I'm thinking of, like, emotional help. That would scare me. I think for me, I would choose I discover a difference in our core values um, because I feel like uh, how do I say this? Once I see a difference in them that I haven't seen before, it just kind of throws me off a bit. So I, I really do fear that. Like, where's the old you that I used to love? You know? Change it up on me. Um, so I think I'll... You want to talk to Taylor? <laughs> yeah. She's dead. <laughs> Whatever the oh, fuck Taylor's thing is. Yeah, like, um, like, do you guys know Shailene Woodley? She's dating a football player. Oh, yeah. And they have, like, two different political views. It's like, damn, how can you be in a relationship like that where you basically live two different lifestyles almost or a different mindset? Um, I think that's what I fear. Like, I want us to be similar. I think that's what I seek in relationships is similarity. I think I would choose that, the last one. I think, like, the asking for help one, too, is, like, okay, if you if you think about this quiz in the context of not only romantic relationships, but also your friendships, I think that that will also really help, too, because when I think about it, uh, I will never ask my friends for help, honestly, and that goes for pretty much every relationship in my life, um, so I think that I'm actually going to go with that one. Yeah, it's a help one for me, but don't you feel like, I mean, you would get to a, like, I feel like that only really happens with people who aren't really quote-unquote political or aren't like pocs with the discover the core value like i could be wrong about that but every like i feel like it just naturally comes out with me Mm. and so to get to a point where like we're in a relationship i mean you actually don't know because especially even with the blm stuff there are things that like even though that person might express like oh i don't know whatever like There might be misogyny mixed into it. There might be a little homophobia mixed into it. Like, sometimes you really don't know, like, these little details until later, which is scary to me. But I feel like for Mm. me to break up with someone because of that reason, that's not scary. Does that make sense? Right. Because I'm just like, oh, well, fuck you. Like, yeah. Yeah. That does make sense. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So next question. When my partner and I experience conflict – I tend to, one, ask for some space to think so I can come back to the conversation with a clear head. 
Two, shut down. Three, apologize whether or not I was in the wrong. And four, assume that this means we're breaking up. I personally would shut down, maybe. Because whenever I do have conflict with somebody, I do shut myself down. Everything else just doesn't really apply to me. So I'll choose that. You know what? For you, Mimi, I was actually thinking, like, you would apologize. Because I feel like we've had conflict before. And I feel like you would, like, and honestly, like, me and Mimi, to be quite honest, like, we've been friends for a very long time now. And I think we've been in, like, maybe one or two fights. um, Or, like, not even fights, but disagreements. And I feel like right Right. away, like, at least in, like, one or two of the instances, it, it was, like, probably not even completely, like, on you. But I feel like you apologized, like, right away. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like... Maybe I think about myself nowadays where I'm like, why should I apologize if I know that I shouldn't be sorry? But maybe back then I was super apologetic. Like we had this conversation a few days ago um, where I always say sorry all the time. But I'm like, why should I always be sorry if I don't know what I should be sorry about? So I think that's why I chose shut down. But that also makes sense too. Like I am a very apologetic person. I'll say sorry for no reason. Um, and I also think about my actions and how it affects the other party as well. So that's a really good. I feel like that's just a testament to your own growth. If you used to apologize a lot and now it's like you're more realizing that like that you don't have to do that. Yeah. Growth. I'm different. Growth. Different breed. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say I was the same way, but I definitely feel like now – so I'm kind of a hybrid. So I used to really apologize for a lot of things because I was like, oh, I mean, like, I just don't want this conflict to happen. Now I'm not so much like that. But because I'm like such an overthinker and I can be so undeniably critical over situations, I need and this is something that honestly is like make or break in all types of relationships I have friendships and like I'm sure romantic relationships um, is like I need space so that I can think like really get like different perspective like write down how I really feel about a situation because sometimes I don't even process the situation in its entirety until a couple days later and then I don't have like the notes to like really validify like when I'm with that person like boom 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 these are the notes this is like the resolution I guess that I'm proposing like whatever but when someone's somewhat the type of person who's like I need to talk about it right now I'm like dude like we're not gonna talk about it right now or we will and I'm gonna regret it and I'm not gonna like it and I'm not gonna want to talk to you because I can't <laughs> I don't know if you guys would think this for me, but I think I would ask for space so that I can come back to the conversation um, because I'm like Lydia, like I need to think about it and kind of I intellectualize my feelings a lot rather than feeling them. So I really do need to sit there and be like, OK, I need to write like a notes app, like text of every single thing that went wrong so that I can feel like I got everything off of my chest about this situation and I don't have any regrets about it. And I also know that when I'm responding from a place of anger, I can be really, really cruel. And so I really, like, I know that about myself and that's, like, one of my weaknesses. So I really try to, like, take time away from the situation because I have, like, said some very regrettable things in the heat of the moment, which it's, like, when you say something, like, you can't take it back. Like, you really can't. Like, it's going to be there forever. So you really need to just be, like... Let me take a step back. It's fine if you don't answer a text in like a day. Like you can take your time and be like, okay, this is like boom, boom, boom. I talked about my this with my therapist. I talked about this with like probably four other of my friends. And now I'm finally coming back to you with a response. And low key too, yeah. like people always, this is a whole other topic. 
but I hate when people say I hate gossiping because first of all, expressing your situation about like a conflict is not always gossip. Two, like how do you expect to like understand how you may or may not have gone wrong or right in a situation if you don't talk about it with your friends? You know what I mean? Like I hate when people feel like they're above like talking about situations to other people because it's like we need that. That's why there's therapists. Obviously in ideal world, we'd all have therapists, but it's like it's actually, I don't think there's anything, I would actually appreciate it if I had a partner and they told, like, their friend, like, whatever happened and then was, like, even if they thought that I was in the wrong, it's, like, and maybe I was in the wrong or whatever, like, I, I think having an other opinion is, like, actually important. So, yeah, we're definitely going with number one. Yeah. Ask for space to think so you can come back to the conversation with a clear head. I'll, I'll continue with shutdown because I don't really, yeah. Yeah, I'm a shutdown. Shutdown tank. <laughs> <laughs> you never, you never been to Nobu shutdown. Shut <laughs> you ever been went to Nobu when it shut down? Shut down, eh? You never been to Marquis? So the next question: When my partner is out with friends, I one don't contact them at all. I don't want to seem clingy. Two, worry that my partner will meet someone else while they're out and leave me. Three, text them multiple times to ask when they'll be home. And then the last, spend some time with my own friends and look forward to hearing about my partner's adventures. The last one is super healthy, but I just don't relate to that. I feel like... (laughs) I'm number one, baby. (laughs) (laughs) She's not a stage five clinger. I'm number one because honestly, I... This is something that I also worry about is like liking my partner's friends. Like I've heard little to no girl that's dated a guy then like yeah all his friends are great like all his friends are so fun I love like it happens very very rarely so I'm probably number one yeah I just feel like the last one like Mimi said that's a little too healthy like I just also I don't want to hear about all your adventures like some things you can just do with your friends and like I don't care about like I don't need to hear about your night at the club like I don't want to know and all the details because I will start daydreaming no honestly ignorance is bliss you know actually I think it was a TikTok I'm gonna try to find it but this girl was like explaining how her and her man because she made like a sing thing that like referenced them doing threesomes and people were like oh don't you ever get jealous or whatever and then she made a response tiktok basically being like um my man tells me when he like thinks another girl's hot or you know when couples like brag how they will see they'll talk about how girls are hot that they like are out and doing their thing they're like oh that girl's hot i'm like i just don't want to hear it like i'm not trying to act ignorant that it doesn't happen i just don't want to hear it (laughs) but are you guys trying to hear that like i don't know frankly it's none of my business yeah uh i chose the second one worry that my partner will meet someone else while they're (laughs) out and leave me i feel like this is something i always think about um like you know i don't know that's just how i feel yeah I don't even know how I, I can expand further on that. It's just how I feel. <laughs> it's okay. That's all Z. That's on period. Yeah. Sometimes things don't need discourse. That's a club. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I said. Leave me? I don't think they would leave me. So the next question is, when my partner tells me they're feeling down, I ask them what's wrong and privately worry that their low mood is all my fault. I ask them if there's any way I can support them. 
I do everything I can to fix their mood, even if my partner hasn't asked for help. Or I feel trapped. I don't want to talk about feelings again. <laughs> oh, this is a hard one. I'm. I feel like I'm honestly a hybrid of ask them what's wrong. Um, and privately worry that their low mood is my fault, but also do everything I can to fix their mood, even if my partner hasn't asked for help. For the reason being, I, I wouldn't think it's my fault, but I would just feel like it's now my responsibility to fix their mood. You feel like your partner's happiness is Yeah, but I don't think it's my fault that yeah. they're upset. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. I would definitely be the one that's like do everything I can to fix their mood even if they don't ask for help because I feel like if you're someone that doesn't ask for help, you know, mm. like you may be someone that inherently just does acts of service for people. I feel like I'm that way a lot. Like sometimes it's hard for me to express like, oh, I see you're going through a hard time, but I might just like be there for you tangibly. So I feel like I would be do everything I can to fix their mood. Yeah. Yeah, I'm stuck between the first and the third one like you guys said um because i i would always think everything's on me it's like something i did that affected them but that's not always the case but also the third one do everything i can to fix their mood um maybe i'll try cooking for them ironically or just like maybe he's a wifey perhaps i feel like Uh, especially because we're women of color though that's what it is like i feel like we take the burden of like being the entertainer anyways but i feel like as women mm-hmm. like I'm shocked I am shocked how fast men specifically can trauma bond with someone they're seeing that's a woman like I'm sh- shocked every single time how fast they'll kind of get comfortable enough to say like oh this thing bothered me and it's like dude we're on our fourth date why the why is it why are we now like in a low-key therapy sesh like this doesn't make sense to me especially if you're trying to like allure them like no offense like I don't think my like trauma is like seductive so I'm just like why are you telling me this and you want me to like stick around no literally interesting so yeah I'm going with number three yeah yeah I'm gonna go for number three so the second to last question when I'm feeling down I one Identify the needs I can fulfill on my own and ask my partner for support. Two, withdraw from my partner until I'm in a better mood. Three, ask my partner to promise we'll stay together no matter what. And then the last one is try not to say anything about it and end up bursting into tears out of nowhere. Um, I think I would be the last one. I'm between two and four. I am absolutely, and it kind of draws into the last question about kind of feeling like you're in charge of someone's mood. For me personally, I'm definitely going to do number two, withdraw from my partner until I'm in a better mood, only because if I'm like in charge of making you feel better, then like I just can't imagine like being vulnerable with you because it's like, that's not my job. actually no 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 i'm number four i actually am number four because when i think about it i have definitely done this yes like i've definitely not said anything and then end up bursting into tears when like someone is like how are you and i'm like i'm okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i don't like talking about sad things that's happening to me so i just kind of like bottle it all up until i kind of just like i either rant or it just like all at once comes 
me crying in bed sometimes. It just kind of happens. Maybe that's because I'm not a good communicator. Something I'm working on. I know it's one of my flaws, but it's something I'm I am working on. But I am queen. Yeah, I I feel like I'm picking the last one. Yeah, no, I'm definitely picking the second one because I will, like, get to it. But if it's someone who's my partner, that's the thing. So if it's, like, a friend, I don't mind. But if it's a partner, for some reason, I do mind. Maybe this is coming from someone who's never had a partner, so that's why I don't know. So in reference, I'm thinking of someone I've, like, went on, like, five dates with, and I would not. Like, I would just, like, ghost them or Mm -hmm. just be, like, I'm busy. Obviously, I don't know them really well. But – no, I'm definitely withdrawing from my partner until I'm in a better mood. Get my money up and then get your funny up. Get my money up, my funny up, and then come back and be like, why didn't you talk to me for three months? It's like, oh, you know. <laughs> I was out here. here. Okay, so the last question is a healthy romantic relationship should be one, long lasting, no matter what. I'm sorry, I'm going to say, if you pick that one, you're literally mentally deranged. Um, Two, two, low maintenance, three, comforting, or four, mutually supportive. I'm not going to lie. And I'll tell you the truth. Obviously, my brain knows. In my mind, my brain knows that it's mutually supportive. But my heart does say low maintenance. And it's not because I'm so chill. It's just because, like... I am someone who just runs independent. So in my head, I don't know if you guys remember, actually, there was an episode, I think it was Dating as a Black Woman. In that episode, I literally said I would love to have a boyfriend who is um, long distance, but we don't text all day. And Dina was like, well, you can't, I don't know, who has time to FaceTime? And I was like, well, I wouldn't want to FaceTime him either. So... My heart does gravitate towards low maintenance, so I'm going to choose that. But I will say a healthy relationship is mutually supportive. But I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm caught between the the second and the fourth one, too. But I'm going to choose a healthy answer because growth. Mutually growth. supportive. Um, I'm stuck between the last two, comforting and mutually supportive. Um, Mimi, I think you're, I, I have a guess that your attachment style is anxious. Yeah. Which is weird well, to think like about because you like don't give off that kind of vibe. Let's take it back. Yeah, you don't Pardon? give anxious. I am an anxious person though. Okay, I, well, I, I was going to say comforting because I always want to be comfortable in a relationship. And I'm you know yeah but low maintenance i'm also a high maintenance person even to myself i'm like damn why are you like this but mutually supportive i guess it, i don't know it just to me comforting and mutually supportive is the same thing to me um i feel like mutually supportive would be more like you're each getting an equal say like you're each getting equal benefit in the relationship each supporting each other and everything that you're doing whereas comforting would be more like you feel secure in your relationship because you're getting reassurance i guess wow that's crazy um so did you guys select yours or not really I, i did i said mutually supportive but i'm honestly like i'm 
at the brink of selecting low maintenance. Low maintenance is just I know what the heart is. Like, I know where I'm at emotionally, and that's what it is. All right. Are we pressing the button? Okay, are we ready to submit? Submit! Okay. One, two, go. Oh, you already clicked it. (laughs) I'm scared right now. Oh my god, Dina, you're right. Mine is anxious, like Dina. Yeah, mine is dismissive avoidant. Oh my god. I'm the 5% sick. No, oh no, no, God, you're, you're no, I'm, no, mine's dismissive avoidant too, but I think dismissive avoidant is just referring to avoidant, not fearful avoidant. It's just avoidant, which is the 20%. Oh, okay, JK. So we're the same, Lydia. That, dude, I have a theory that like, especially people who are Eritrean or Ethiopian, but like black women usually are dismissive avoidant because it's the love of men who have the um, fucking strong black woman trope. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you're a little bit, you want to, girls need love too, but girls need girls love. Need you can't cry. Remember, you're a black strong woman. Well, if you're avoidant, you also have a deep fear of intimacy. And I I know that about myself that I like that's always like it's something that I know. And so when I saw that one, I was like immediately yes, immediately yes. But the fearful avoidant or disorganized style, I feel like I also fall within that too. And like I know Lydia, you do too. I feel like maybe this quiz isn't like hitting that point, but I definitely have some fearful avoidant like tendencies for sure. Because it's, like, fearful avoidance is, like, the decisions that you make in relationships don't really make sense because you want both things. Like, you have the fear of intimacy, but you also have, like, this want for intimacy and want for reassurance. Yeah, I feel like maybe this quiz isn't hitting because I feel like I'm definitely fearful avoidant. Like, okay, so let's just read it real quickly. I'm just going to show you guys a little little tidbit. So I got dismissive avoidant. So basically that is you're emotionally distant from your partners. And since you're terrified of becoming dependent on people, you don't usually ask for support. You tend to shut down during conflict and often feel suffocated by your partner's needs. You expect your partner to be impassive and independent. So half of this is right, but I don't expect my partner to be impassive or independent. So... Yeah, I think it's fearful avoidant for me, but that's okay. (laughs) Fearful avoidant attachment style is a combination of dismissive avoidant and anxious preoccupied, right? So maybe we just have more of a dismissive avoidant, but we still have like the anxious preoccupied part, which makes us the fearful avoidant, obviously, but we're just like skewing, the results are skewed to, for us to be more avoidant. Mm. And it's like, we probably had very similar upbringing, so it makes sense. Mine is anxious, so a tidbit for that says, you have a hard time being single and seek out partners who complete you, which I think half of that is maybe true. I do seek people who do complete me, but also I don't think I have a hard time being single at all. Uh, no, Mimi's a Tinderella. You already know. Uh, so the rest says, you might feel clingy or paranoid. I think that is true. And you fear that your partner's independence signifies disinterest. I also believe that's true. Last sentence says, you expect your partners to be available, reassuring, and enmeshed. Is that a word? Enmeshed? I'm ESL. I don't know what that word means. But yeah, I think I agree with this. I think I've been single so long because I am looking for somebody that I know who's going to complete me or like, like, bring a 
part of me out that I usually never share. If that makes sense. Aww. We're going to have a singlehood episode. <laughs> but... To give a little tidbit preview, this summer is, like, the summer I went out the most as far as dates go. And, like, it's actually so weird, like, what I've learned. And, like, deadass, like, I thought about it and I was, like, I, like, always want, like, my partner to be, like, I want sparks or else. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm the type of girl where I'm, like, if it doesn't feel, like, real, then I'm, like, totally not into it, like, immediately. Which obviously makes me, one, impatient. But, two, like, I was talking to my friend about this I was like oh my god like I hate that there's never any sparks everyone seems to have sparks and she was like yeah but if you're so preoccupied like being good like being like a good partner you're not being real so you have to be like real for sparks to be a thing like real human connection happens when you're like being a human and not like just being like an entertainer so food for thought bitches get ready for the singlehood episode it's gonna be so good what attachment style would you want other than secure? Like, if secure, in a, if you couldn't have a partner that's secure, like, you had to pick another one, which one would you pick? Basically, you're picking between the demons of them all. Like, you're picking what you want for yourself or for your partner? No, sorry, for your partner. But you can't pick secure. So if you had to get one attachment style that wasn't secure for your partner, which one would you pick? So I guess which one is, like, the most doable for you to manage or you find attractive i feel like i would want an anxious person and this is why (laughs) because it sounds kind of sick when you say it like that but i don't think i could handle being with someone that was super avoidant like it would just do a number on me like i need to know that i like you love me obviously like anyone does you need reassurance in a relationship even if you're a securely attached person everyone needs to know that they're loved and they're valued in their relationship So I would definitely want an anxious person because I feel like uh, their relationship would be way more fun than a relationship with an avoidant person because people that are anxious, they create drama and they like thrive on drama and your relationship would be like super dramatic and it would be like really intense and romantic, Mm -hmm. I think. If you're picking between that, whereas someone who like gives you nothing, I would rather have the anxious person and like be a little bit overwhelmed by their anxiousness and their need for reassurance. Yeah, I feel the I would literally even before you want to ask the question, I was like, I'm gonna be so toxic and saying because I already know. Because yeah, because of what my attachment style is, right? So if I'm fearful avoidant, I need someone who's anxious and obsessed with me. Yep. 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 Retweet podcast. Retweet podcast is on demon time. <laughs> it's just me and my demon period and I also feel like especially because I date men like men can be pretty nonchalant you know or they can just be straight up idiots so I feel like yeah obviously you should worship me because that's kind of the way I imagine my life for myself I agree yeah I am an anxious attachment style so I would like the same we could be anxious together baby yeah like why would you want someone that was avoidant but you know what i will say basically adina just explained that we're the least desirable because she said no one wants a beautiful (laughs) avoidant no like no one wants an avoidant but i actually i'm lying because i i guess as an avoidant person maybe you do actually gravitate towards people that are also avoidant because i think in my past in my past dating history i have definitely been 
involved with people that are avoidant. And I liked it because there was no chance of it getting to a point where I was uncomfortable with the intimacy. So I feel like I seek that out as an avoidant person because I'm like, I don't want the anxious or the securely attached person because I'm uncomfortable with that. Um, I'm uncomfortable with a healthy relationship and I'm uncomfortable with a relationship that is high in anxiety, low in avoidance, wants me too much. I would get really turned off by people that show too much interest in me, um, which is like literally mental illness. Like if you're like that, literally go see a therapist because... And I'm like that too. I'm not just dragging you. I'm dragging myself because it's not a healthy attachment style and it's definitely rooted in something not good from your past. Literally always attract, yeah, people who like are my fans, who give me like a lot of reassurance, um, which is so – it's helped me because I f- actually can't ever say that like a man's ever been mean to me. But also it's bad because I will – Get them to be hooked in a, some type of way. They'll like give me reassurance, give me reassurance, and then because I'm scared it'll stop. Bef- I want to like beat them to the punch, so then I'll just like not continue. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. so that I leave with always like ha- being whatever version that idealized of me in their head. I've left it to sizzle. Yeah. That's giving fearful avoidant. Yeah, that's why I think I'm fearful avoidant and not decisive, but anyways. But yeah, it's fearful avoidant as hell. Fearful avoidant gang, comment down below. <laughs> yeah, I need somebody like me. Me and my twin. My twin yin. <laughs> my twin flame. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I've been, I was asking Dina about this the other day too. If you were given the two choices, right? You just saw someone or you just started seeing someone... Would you rather their whole entire astrology chart or get to know their attachment style? Because, you know, men don't know that shit. If they do, red flag. Ran through. Run. <laughs> Run for them. Who taught you your attachment style? Like, first of all, why do you Unless it was retweet podcast, you're lying. <laughs> if it's not retweet or co-star or the pattern. No, as a man, why do you have co-star downloaded on your phone? And why is your phone linked to it? You're literally ran through. If you're a man and you are a wifey, you need to delete CoStar and the pattern off your phone right now. Because let me tell you, that's a red flag, baby. It's TikTok. Stop posting TikToks. So what would you rather if you could? Their whole entire astrology chart or their attachment style? To know. I just think that attachment styles tell you a lot about the context of your relationship whereas astrology can tell you a lot about who they are as a person and I mean you can also like look at Venus signs and stuff but I feel like the attachment style gives you a lot more insight into what your relationship is going to be like like for real for real like you know how this person is going to act and you know that if you're like an avoidant person being with another avoidant person is not necessarily going to be like a good choice to make in a relationship because you're both going to just be like chilling not saying anything to each other so for me maybe because I'm uh, anxious attachment style I would probably want to know their birth chart I don't I can't read birth charts I don't know astrology that well but um, if I do some researching I would however um, it just makes me feel reassured in a relationship that I know on a surface level this person yes baby my twin flame my demon 
<laughs> Do you think there's indicators? Like, can you ever look at someone and probably guess? Or with information that we all know now, do you think there's, like, are you looking back at people being like, oh my god, you're so anxious, avoidant, or like, are there any indicators that you think are almost like flags to indicate someone's attachment style? A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Especially if you've ever been in a conflict with that person, if you see the way that they act in conflict, I think that tells you a lot about someone's attachment style and just like their psyche in general because I feel like the first time especially when you have conflict with someone if someone's very quick to apologize it like is automatically a red flag to me because I feel like I haven't even had the chance to like really go into why I'm upset and you're already apologizing like that that's always a red flag to me um or people that are manipulative in conflict which can be a sign of being um either avoidant or like having a disorganized attachment style so yeah a hundred percent especially if you've gone to the point where you've gone through any type of conflict with the person you can probably guess what their attachment style is yeah i agree all right that's it folks thank you guys so much for tuning in to retweet are you guys loving the third season Yes, we're gonna sing we're gonna sing you guys out but before we do so please 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 leave us a review on apple podcasts on spotify it really helps us out a lot if you learned even one little tidbit from this episode please do so um and we are going to sing you out thank you so much mimi for being on we have a lot more good content coming your way okay one two three go do 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 do